Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's the BWI Daily Edition. We are live today because I, I couldn't I couldn't wait any longer. I know that the the season starts tomorrow, and we've got our live show coming up at the uh, at the conclusion of Penn State and Purdue. But I wanted to go a little bit earlier. I'm your host, Thomas Ryan Carr. We are here on YouTube. We are taking your uh, comments, conversations. Here's what we're doing today, though. I'm going to give you what I have planned, and then we're going to have a conversation. We're going to be going through the Penn State depth chart ahead of Penn State and Purdue, giving you the breakdown of what we've learned over the course of since spring football, how Penn State, the, the this story has shaped up for the Nittany Lions Who's going to be playing where? What positions? Starters, backups, some of the third team. And some of this is going to reflect what I think is going to happen during the game, but also, you know, some of the travel squad. So we'll get into all that today on the Daily Edition. The first thing I got to say, though, is uh, this show is made possible by viewers like you. Uh, This is not a PBS commercial, although it's going to be the exact same thing. Um, We exist on a free YouTube channel, but unfortunately nothing in life is for free. So if you want to continue doing live shows and having conversations about Penn State football here on YouTube, you got to do, you got to donate to the channel. You got to help me out so that I can uh, keep myself in this brand new, beautiful Pine Grove studio B Uh, the new Pine Grove studio B as for, for the people that are regulars on the show, I literally just moved into a new house and I would like to stay here for an extended period of time. You can help make that dream a reality. I, I sound like a Sarah McLaughlin commercial. Like I like I'm a dog that needs rescued. And sort of, sort of that's the case. Uh, but we appreciate all your comments and uh the stuff that we're uh we're doing here on the show already. I want to give a shout out to some of our regulars, like Stephen Light, always a part of the show, uh, always uh, super supportive. Be more like Stephen Light and be more like uh, M Shive too, who uh he told me recently his name is is Mike. God, I hope it was Mike. I looked at you. I, I, I saw your message five times. It better be Mike. I always get like right. See, here's the thing. My name's Thomas Frank Carr. For those of you who don't know that are watching the show for the first time, I have a paralysis, a fear of introducing myself because I have two first names. That's why I go on air by T Frank, uh, because it's just easier for everybody. But when people introduce themselves to me one way or the other, I just go, my brain locks up. It's like I can't throw it a second base. I have the yips for names. So, uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you for all your support. I appreciate you. I appreciate Chuck giving the uh, the video a like. If you want to give a super chat donation like Chuck has in the past, uh, you can absolutely do that. So, let's get into it because Austin, he has the right... He has the right feel for what we're going for tonight. It was the night before football and all through the house. We want to look at the depth chart. So I'll stop begging for things and let's take a look at the depth chart. I'll go through to start at the beginning. And here we are. Uh, We have Penn State depth chart for the quarterback. Now, I've highlighted the player in each position that I want to talk about. I've highlighted them and why I think they're important. This week, Drew Aller was the talk of Penn State football. Uh, Because he was named the backup, the five-star freshman everybody wants to see. But here's the reality, guys. Here's the reality. If Penn State's going to be good this year, truthfully, if everything goes to plan, you're never going to see him because Sean Clifford is going to be the one taking all the snaps. Sean Clifford and his ability to play football tomorrow night, I don't think this game should come down 
to a duel of 60-year quarterbacks because Penn State should have more talent. But Sean Clifford is absolutely going to be uh, the player that takes them as far as they possibly can. Now, I've had to eat my words already because I have been saying repeatedly about Drew Aller and Bo Perbula, just put a pin in your expectations for them playing this year. And already Drew Aller has exceeded those expectations by being the second team quarterback. So maybe I'm wrong about this. And maybe he is one of those special quarterbacks that I reference. And that when Nate Bauer and I talk about, Hey, there's a select few true freshmen that play. It's a very select few. We're talking, uh, you know, the latest one is, uh, um, Trevor Lawrence, excuse me, those guys, that level of caliber of quarterback, those are the guys. Maybe it, maybe Drew Aller is one of those guys. We will find out some point, but until then, it is the uh, Sean Clifford show. Now, the important thing about Clifford that everyone is aware is that he has never finished a full season starting all the games in the season. So as much as I'm saying it doesn't matter, it does matter because Clifford has had a hard time staying healthy uh, and, and really making it through a season either by injury or by the fact that he was benched in 2020. So with all that said, it is uh, important that Sean Clifford play well throughout the season, and he's the guy that we're going to highlight here. Now, when it comes to the backup quarterback position, the way James Franklin discussed it is this is an ongoing competition between all three of those players to be the backup throughout the season. Fluid is how he called that. Does that sound like a quarterback competition to you? So we we've been fretting and obsessing and we have been uh, we have been. Um, <laughs> thanks, Mike. Appreciate Mike with his donation here to the channel. Uh, yes, it is going directly towards my mortgage, which, by the way, I didn't know your first month. You don't have to pay. You don't have to pay a mortgage your first month. Now you have to pay it then for the rest of, you know, 30 to 60 to 90 years or whatever. you. But, but the first month you don't have to. So, uh, Mike, appreciate the donation. Uh, as I was saying, the backup quarterback competition and really the starting quarterback competition for 2023 has already started with the way that James Franklin has phrased this conversation around uh, who's the backup to Sean Clifford. I find that fascinating. I don't know if that was his intention, but that is really what it is at this point. If you're battling each week to be the backup and to have that depth and competition, which we're going to get to again here in a minute, we're going to discuss that here in a minute. Um, then that's what you get. That's exactly what you get. And that, I think that's good. I think that's going to raise the level of play for all of these players. And if Drew Aller is the guy that we all think he's going to be, then that's great. That's exactly what you want. Um, I, I don't know if we're going to find resolution to this in 2022. I also don't know, as a lot of people have made the joke that Christian Veyu is already destined for the transfer portal. Just because you lose in week one doesn't mean it's time to pack up and go home. That's an assumptive thing. Uh, James S, another regular back for the regular season. Glad to see you again, James S. Thanks for coming back, and thank you for the donation. We'll be getting through all of these. I appreciate all you guys. We're already up to 40 bucks. It's a, It feels like a raffle, I, although the only thing I have to give away are my thoughts and, and my my winning smile. I've, I, I think it's winning. I, it's kind of pointy, truthfully, but it's a winning smile. Here's the running backs. Let's get, let's get to the next position. You could, you could highlight any of these players, right? You could highlight Kevon Lee as the returning starter, as the guy who's likely going to get the first snap. You could highlight Catron Allen as the guy that James Franklin called out as a surprise of camp, not for being good, for being more explosive and a bigger playmaker than what they were expecting, I think. And his ability to lose weight, get in better condition, and not to say he was in bad condition, but he was, I think, at uh, his previous school at IMG, they were using him as a, as a power back, right? They want him to accentuate his power and his leg drive. And Penn State wants him to be a little bit more of that big back with power, but agile. And, and that seems to have really taken him to a new level when it comes to his explosiveness and his ability to break plays. Because he breaking tackles is the, one of the biggest parts of being explosive. And he can absolutely break tackles. It's just then how many yards does he get after that? But Nick Singleton is the guy. I, I should have just said Nick Singleton to start and then gone into my actual thoughts because Nick Singleton, I kind of feel bad for him here 
just a little bit. You know, I think most of us are also jealous of his incredible physical gifts, but a little bit, I feel a little bad for him because the expectation for him coming into this game, number one, for us just to see him play college football is insane. The amount of pressure for him to perform, I I have a, I have a hard time thinking he's going to live up to it. And the last person that I, uh, I think really lived up to the hype Unfortunately, it was the guy that we're going to be comparing him to, which is, is Saquon Barkley. So, so is he that? <laughs> Do we know? We just want to know, right? We just we just want to know, which is why he's the guy here. Uh, and Stephen Light, your dog, who I, I think you said earlier, you're out, uh, you're out walking the dog. I appreciate your dog's commitment to the BWI YouTube channel. So thank you and your dog. Drop your dog's name in the comment. We'll give him a shout out as well. Uh, so we want to make sure we're giving everybody their love tonight. I think we already got to Chuck, but I'm just going to throw him up again because a lot of these uh, people you're seeing here have been supporting the channel pretty regularly when we haven't been live. And I just want to give everyone a shout out and love that they deserve. Uh, so Ben Bainey, take a quick second to answer some questions here. Quality PSU football content. Excellent description of the modern game. Thank you, Ben. If if I could give the show a tag, if I could give you know the elevator pitch of what I want this show to be, that's it. That is, and I'm, I'm, that makes me very happy that I'm delivering that for you, that you, that's, that's coming across. Um, the next thing about the running back position is Devin Ford, which his involvement in the game, I'm going to be monitoring and watching tomorrow night because I don't really look at him as a, as one of the running backs. I look at him as a, as an offensive weapon here. He's back down to 190 pounds, and I, I have made a lot of that over the years. And part of that is, unfortunately, an expectation that was unreasonable, maybe, at the beginning of his career. When you saw him 5'11", that upright running style, explosive from that position, but needed to gain weight. Like, you could tell, oh, man, he needs to put some LBs on his legs so he can break some tackles. And that just never really happened. And he didn't seem to really, it didn't seem to work for him when he got up to over 200 pounds. So I don't know if it's intentional or if this is just a change in something, but he's 5'11", 190 pounds. And that's, that's like 20 pounds lighter than Parker Washington. So is he going to be a weapon more than a running back? James Franklin has already highlighted he's going to be on special teams. So kick return for sure, because that's what he's done throughout his career. Is he also the punt returner? I, I don't know that he has those skills. He's, again, a linear guy, not a more elusive runner in that situation. Um, But as a weapon on offense, is he a slot receiver, jet sweeps? What is he going to do? Because I think the top three guys are the top three guys. And then where he fits in. I'm fascinated about that. So I'm going to be watching that. So that really all four players here are worth mentioning and worth talking about as contributors, not just tomorrow night, but throughout the season. And we'll see how the depth chart really works out. We have our first or here, by the way, of Katron Allen, Nick Singleton. I think they're interchangeable to Penn State uh, on the depth chart. Both are equal in footing. But how can you not highlight Mr. Singleton? Coming into receivers, before we do that, I want to get to more of these. Love the content perspective, T. Frank, from one guy with two first names to the other. Uh, Nathaniel Ryan. I love it. I love it. I love the two first name crew. We're going to have to get T-shirts because it is it is an interesting existence. Do you, uh, Nathaniel, do you have the conversation where you can kind of fill in the blanks of, no, 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 Thomas Frank is my first name. Yes, no, I do have a middle name. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you want to know my social security number too? Do you want me to give you my full name? Yeah, four names, two for, yeah. I have that conversation down pat in my head, which is again, why I'm not paying attention to other people's names because I've got to have that whole thing ready. So I appreciate other people that know that perspective. Uh, let's get to a couple other comments here. Um, Mr. Kush says, should have high expectations for this year. Is 10 wins too much? I don't think it is. And we'll get through some of these other players because I, I think this is a good team. We've already seen the explosive running backs, the six-year quarterback, the depth and competition uh, behind him. And we'll get to some of the other reasons I am optimistic about this uh, about this team. Um, he says, I hope not because at Penn State, the expectation should be to compete for it all every year. But you guys tell me, hope we're not settling. I, I don't think that's the view of this staff either. 
one of the things that James Franklin and I talked about, and, and I'll, I'm going to save this. I'm going to tease this again. The, what I asked James Franklin on Monday is what I want to talk about when we get to the offensive line, because I think that is an area where it matters uh, when we talk about certain elements of this team versus the last couple of years. Uh, but let's get back to the receivers here. Because another one of James Franklin's comments on Monday, which, by the way, if you want to check out those comments, we have the the video up here on YouTube. You can go check it out on our YouTube channel. And if you want to, if you're if you're watching, there's 142 of you watching right now. We're gonna get that to 200, by the way, by liking and sharing the video. So we should have at least 142 likes if there are 142 people watching. So if you're if you hear my voice or you're watching me talk and you're seeing the, please give the video a like. Helps everyone know. Hey, this doesn't suck. Which uh, Ben Bainey doesn't think it is. So. You know, I'm going to trust Ben. Okay, so the receivers, right? James Franklin says they got five receivers. They want a true too deep at the position. So if you look at the, the players and the way this has worked out over the spring, the summer, and the fall, um, when Parker Washington wasn't available for the blue-white game, for whatever reason that was, Mitchell Tinsley played the slot. They didn't go to Liam Clifford. They didn't go to the true freshman, Caden Saunders. Those two guys were with uh, the freshman quarterbacks. Tinsley played the slot. So to me, when there's when James Franklin says we need a sixth receiver, once again, they don't have anyone behind Parker Washington. It's been amazing. And I think he was playing banged up a little bit last year. Um, he hasn't missed any time. And if he misses time, they're kind of in trouble. Because they didn't have anyone last year to replace what he did in the offense at his particular position. But in the spring, Mitchell Tinsley slipped inside to the slot receiver position, and he played there. So this depth chart reflects that. Tinsley is a perimeter receiver. Unless Parker Washington needs to come off the field, he can flex into slot. He's a great route runner. I really love the routes he runs. Uh, but he has a little bit more size, a little more big play potential. So he's going to be an important factor here. And I want to see if he does go into the slot if they go to like a basketball lineup where they want their taller guys on the field. So Harrison Wallace, Mega Tinsley, they all come on the field together and that's where Tinsley would go to the slot. I don't, I don't know that that'd be the case because Parker Washington is really good and almost never came off the field. Um, so this is the, this is the depth chart. The guy to watch out for is Harrison Wallace. Uh, I don't know that he's going to end up behind Mitchell Tinsley because when it comes to the receiver positions, they they talk about playing positionless receivers, right? Guys that can play inside and outside. Tinsley's a great example, but you know some of the other players on this roster that you look at have the ability to play inside or outside. Liam Clifford and Caden Saunders are the two guys that are, I think are battling for that sixth position. Who's going to be the slot behind Parker Washington? Who's going to be that guy? Can uh, Clifford show that he's got the explosiveness? And and the mobility and and because I, I assume he's got the depth, the, the the playbook down. If your brother's been the quarterback forever, you better have the playbook down. So from a execution standpoint, he's got to prove that. Or is it Caden Saunders, the explosive, athletic, deep threat from the slot that I think would add an element of speed to the interior passing attack? Which one of those guys is going to be step up and be the sixth receiver? I, I think it's going to be one of those two guys, but. Uh, Mitchell Tinsley could, or excuse me, Harrison Wallace could be the guy that is still competing for that other receiver position on the other side from Tinsley with Keandre Lambert-Smith or Malik Mega. And that can that battle is going to continue. Keandre Lambert-Smith has had some focus drops throughout his career. Malik Mega has proven almost nothing to us as of yet other than tantalizing glimpses at what he could be, which is all great. You love having all that potential. But one of those guys has to step up and, and play. And in this area, they've got five guys. Who is going to be the sixth? So Steven says, just tell the QB room that the loser has to go to UConn. <laughs> I think I read something. And, and this is, I, I'm terrible about this. of just reading a headline. And then I, I just scroll on because I don't have time. But I believe uh, Roberson got hurt, possibly. I have to see. I have to see more about that. I don't want to talk about that in depth or act like there's any sort of authority behind what I'm saying. Uh, David Greeter says, Miles Sanders was a stud, T. Frank. Love, long live BWI. Yes, Miles Sanders. I had a I had a special place in my heart for Miles Sanders because I grew up, I was the little, I was the little kid. I was the youngest brother. And I knew what it was like growing up with your brother doing things and being in the county paper all the time. And Miles Sanders 
we the first 15 questions of his career that we the media asked him were all about Saquon Barkley. So I was at a soft spot for Miles to prove other people wrong and prove that he could be his own guy. And, you know, I think he did that uh, in his one his one year uh, as the starter at Penn State. And by the way, we have an update. Birdie is a is Stephen Light's dog. She loves my delivery. Wow. Your dog knows English. Um, but needs to see Singleton as the number one seed on the roster. I, I get it. I understand. Uh, so a lot of positivity coming through, but eight and four, nine and three. You know, I think that's also <laughs> that's also a possibility with this team. Because it comes down to good Sean Clifford or bad Sean Clifford, who shows up this year? Who shows up for Penn State football? Is it good Sean Clifford or bad Sean Clifford? And that is a product of his environment, which I think a lot of people would say, well, no, duh, quarterbacks are always a product of their environment. But the the reality is some of them do rise above it. Some of them do make the team better around them. And I think from a leadership perspective and from a locker room perspective, he's a beloved player, but does his play elevate this team? I think this team is elevated with their ability, especially on offense, because we look at this so far and we'll back up here and look at this again. Sean Clifford, the starter, a six year player. Kevon Lee is technically a sophomore on the roster, but he's been here for three years. So junior, right? Three years of being heading into his third year, being the starting running back. You've got a transfer who's a fifth-year player. Parker Washington, again, a sophomore that's played three years. Keandre Lambert Smith, Malik Megan. A little bit of depth and inexperience there. But for the most part, so far, we've gone through a lot of veteran players that have played and been at Penn State for a while. So now, let's get to this part. Because this is where all of it matters. The Penn State offensive line. Are they better or worse this year? This group, in my opinion, is going to be better this year. Old Fashano at left tackle. And, he, and here's an interesting um, situation when we talk about depth and competition. Because James Franklin talked about several times on Monday about depth and competition on his team, kind of in a general way. Now, at the left and right tackle, there isn't, there's none of that. There's no real competition with Drew Shelton, a true freshman, for Ola Fashanu's job. Caden Wallace is the entrenched starter. Bryce Efner is a capable backup. But on the interior is where we're focusing here. Landon Sangwall, Juice Scruggs, Sal Wormley. And then Hunter Norris had the transfer from Cornell that they brought in specifically to, I'm assuming, play. James Franklin talked about how all three of those guys, Tangwall, Wormley, and Norzad, are all going to play starter reps. So they're going to be in the game for meaningful plays. I don't think that means that they're all going to play the number of reps that a starter would play, but they're all going to see meaningful reps. So the first quarter, somebody needs a blow, Hunter Norzad's coming in. Um, if it's the second, if it's the third quarter, if it's an important drive, they're going to put those three guys in there. And this was my point all offseason about this particular group is that you now have more options than spots, more quality options than spots. Landon Sangwell, a high four-star player. On three has him ranked as a 95 overall prospect. Salim Wormley, from everything James Franklin has said and what we've reported at Blue White Illustrated, was supposed to be the starter last year before he went down with injury during training camp. And by all accounts, is back to where he was. I, I've seen him in a couple of reps at practice. He does look like you know a player that can play in the Big Ten. And then they bring in Norzad specifically. Target him. High-priority player that several schools want, including Auburn, who they'll play this year, and Iowa. All of that doesn't matter if nobody's job is at stake. And that's what I, essentially what I asked James Franklin on Monday, is I said, does this mean that you're at a place, not that you just have more players that can play, but players that can push the starters to become better? Because I don't, one of the biggest problems for Penn State's offensive line over the years hasn't necessarily been the lack of two or three good players. It's been the lack of five or six so that a starter has to perform or he's replaced. And this is an interesting perspective because throughout training camp, Hunter Norzad and Salim Wormley were the guys 
that were competing for that right guard position. We heard it was going well, but Salim Wormley was ahead, and that was kind of where that was. And then suddenly, <laughs> on Monday, James Franklin's talking about Hunter Norzad playing left and right guard and center. Maybe not center right away, but he can play all three of those interior positions. And when I first scouted Hunter Norzad, I thought he was more of a center. But what this means is not that, you know, he's going to play center, but he can. And he is a capable football player that can play the Big Ten. Or at least that's the perception we have right now. And that's been the perception that I've had of his ability throughout the, se- the, the offseason. So if Landon Tangwall, who is now in the conversation of rotating, is not playing up to the standard that they expect, he will lose snaps. So this team should be better. Like there is actual realistic competition. And I asked, that's what I asked James Franklin. Is there actual competition to, to create an environment where these guys will push each other? And he said, yes, that we're finally back to that place on this team. And that's going to be at a couple of other positions that we're going to get to in a little bit, but they have not had that here. Now, when they start getting that at tackle, uh, we'll have a different conversation. We'll be having a very different conversation. I want to see if we've got any other uh, people we need to get to here. Appreciate all the donations to the chat. If you're watching this on replay, by the way, so if you're watching this later and I'm talking to you in the future, that's pretty cool. Kind of gave me shivers thinking about that. But you can still donate to the channel if you're feeling generous with the super thanks button. It's right under the video. It's a little heart. If you give us a thanks, that again goes into feeding my family. And I have a, a slightly overweight tabby cat who appreciates that. Uh, he's 13 pounds, but he's, he's a tiger. He is a giant cat. He's just big cat and he's a little overweight, but now, now I, we got, we got him stairs. That was part of the buying the house thing was we bought the house. So he would have stairs. He had to go up and down and maybe he'll lose some weight. Um, Chris Bullock says, Nick Singleton looks like Larry Johnson ran a lot of option with him too. So I, I think whoever you're comparing to it's not you're not comparing him to bill belton with no disrespect to bill belton you're not comparing nick singleton to those guys you're uh you're comparing him to a bunch of other players who are other elite football players and uh and mike has it here that it was uh a torn acl which is too bad because i know that's a uh that's a huge that's a huge bummer for him that you go to this new opportunity, you win the starting job after how bad it went here. And then for that to happen, that's, that's too bad. You never really root for anyone to do poorly, but that's, that's, uh, that's too bad. Okay. Going to dive into the comments here just a little bit. So my ums and uhs and pauses will be a little longer. So appreciate you sticking with us. I uh, want to see some more what we got here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Yeah, he says, Franklin mentioned Norzad was possible at center. Wonder if that means Juice is on the edge of getting bumped. That's my point, is that maybe, and maybe that's a possibility. I had the same conversation a couple weeks ago of like, you can't have guys that just have the job. Because if they're not playing well, last year there was nobody to replace those guys that weren't playing well. So, now you do. Now you have those guys. And uh, and and hopefully... You know, I think for this conversation, hopefully that's the case for Penn State football and for Penn State football fans, because you'll see an actual better team as a result of it. So let's go to the tight end position. I think this is a fascinating position. I have been basically told that I have to pay attention to Khalil Dinkins. Um, I was not 
expecting to pay attention to Khalil Dinkins. Uh, not saying that he's not a good football player, but the top three, this is such a top-heavy group of these three people that I didn't think I was going to have to pay attention to him specifically. But that's not who I want to focus on. Obviously, by the graphics you see here, the guy I want to focus on is Tyler Warren. Because Tyler Warren, all offseason, has been making plays. I've seen multiple one-handed catches from Tyler Warren. I have seen him moss several defensive backs. So as a receiver, he's putting on a show. In the weight room this offseason, he was setting records for tight ends and lifting. Um, as a run blocker, he got much better last year. He learned how to be a run blocker. Now, he learned that from Brenton Strange, who is the starter here. But I'm not the only one, but I'm calling it right now. Expect big things out of Tyler Warren. Penn State's going to play a lot of two tight ends. There's just James Franklin is committed to playing two tight ends. He talks about it all the time. I asked him a question a couple weeks ago about what's your identity versus, you know, what you want to be versus calling a system and just calling plays. And he brought up, maybe you want to be a 10 personnel team and run four receivers. But if you've got two or three great tight ends, you got to be able to adapt and put those guys on the field. Cough, cough, <clears throat> clear my throat. So I don't know that Tyler Warren is going to be the starter. But he sure as heck is going to play. He is absolutely going to be one of the players here for this team. Uh, and I, I'm expecting good plays. Because first off, I've only really seen good plays from Tyler Warren on the field. But we barely saw anything. So how much of it is he's eating into Theo Johnson's reps? And how much is it he's eating into Brenton Strange's reps? He's going to be the Wildcat quarterback if they continue that package, which it was moderately successful. If you have a better offensive line, I think that can work. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not crazy about the Wildcat. I never have been crazy about the Wildcat, but if it's effective, and here's, here's the reason. I'll back up a little bit. The Wildcat all the way back with Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams was about surprise initially. You mean you have two, where's the quarterback? What's going on here? And then they run option football with two running backs. But eventually we learn how to stop that. So you need to have the throwing element of some sort with the Wildcat. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Tyler Warren was a high school quarterback, said every announcer every time he lined up there. So I, I it, it could work. What I'm saying is it can work. It they didn't have enough successful regular plays to make that a feature of the offense. And I do agree. The Wildcat, Wildcat bad. I agree there. Um, I, I just, I don't, I, I don't want to completely ignore the fact that it can work if your offensive line is better. Uh, I want to thank Lee O, Lil O, Lil O. I'm terrible. I'm terrible with, with pseudonyms too, apparently. Lil O. Great stuff. Thanks, T. Frank. Appreciate you, Lil O. Appreciate you and your your donation to uh, the Blue White Illustrated YouTube channel. The question is about this group. Are they going to get better? Like, are they going to actually produce this year? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. Because that does require um, Sean Clifford to throw the ball over the middle of the field. And I don't know that he's interested in being aggressive with the football into tight windows and throwing to to tight ends in contested coverage. So to me, that's the that's the uh that's the goal of this particular group is to get open. Make it hard for Sean Clifford to ignore you. Uh that is going to be the biggest thing for them is get open and make plays. And Tyler Warren when he was given the opportunity, he made plays. Cuz the other two and just sit here for this for one more minute. Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson were the main receivers last season. And I've gone over this time and time again when it comes to what they brought to the table. I think Brenton Strange has a lot of skill. I've liked his potential for the whole time, but eventually potential just turns into what you should be doing instead of what you are doing. He has the ability to be a guy that catches the ball and runs through safeties. But he has to catch the ball in contested catch situations or get open. And last season, he struggled to do those things. And Theo Johnson struggled to run block. So the production has to come in both facets to get on the football field and to, to gain the trust of your, your quarterback. Mike Yersich has always been a receiver-heavy 
offensive coordinator from what I've seen. Doesn't mean he can't evolve. And I think that's kind of part of what James Franklin would like to see. But I, it's always to me like this group is going to struggle if the quarterback and the offense coordinator aren't featuring them in the offense. And by the way, I don't think that it's great to feature the tight ends necessarily. The most valuable passes are explosive plays down the field. So targeting receivers over and over again, that that's not a bad thing. Let's get to the defense. Spend enough time on the offense. Let's get to the defense. I have been called out by several people, both on the Blue White Illustrated message board and some here in the YouTube comments that maybe I was ignoring defensive tackles when it came to pass rush. And that's fair. That's fair. Uh, there's a couple of reasons, though. I, I just uh, lay out my case. When you're rushing from the interior, the way the three technique lines up is designed to give you a one-on-one -on -one in those situations, but it's easier to double team there. It's easier to get the center over to slide protection so that you don't get those one-on-ones. Now, for example, why you leave Aaron Donald one-on-one -on -one with a guard in the final play of the Super Bowl, I don't know. I don't know. But that does happen. The edges of the pocket are the easiest places to get consistent individual one-on-one -on -one matchups because it's the end. There's no other player out there unless you chip with the running back and then you're taking that player out of the passing formation, at least delaying it, right? Giving the interior players more time to rush all the other players, more time to rush. So that's why I focus more on Adisa Isaac and chop Robinson and deny Dennis Sutton. When in terms of, the pass rushing players that we need to focus on to lead consistently with pressure. But I, I think I overstated and overplayed that hand a little bit because Hakeem Beeman can in those situations be a wrecking ball at the three technique. He's got to do it again. Like a, like Adisa Isaac, we saw some flashes of really good stuff in 2020 and that was it flashes. He's a couple, a handful of plays that people really liked. He was explosive. And on the other side of the line of scrimmage against Michigan and a couple of other times, that's not, uh, he's got, he, he's always had the talent. He missed last season for an undisclosed reason coming out strong. This is, uh, this is, I think a, a really important game for Hakeem Beeman to show us what he is and who he is because this is an area, too, where we talk about with James Franklin discussing depth. Last season, P.J. Mustafer went down, Hakeem Beeman was gone, and then Keziah Izzard and Devon Ellis were young players that were thrust into the starting rotation when they were maybe the fourth and fifth guys, with Derek Tangelo being the other one of the three starters. So now you lose all two of your top three starters. Now you're down to Tangelo, who has to play the nose at that point, which, you know, was not the best place for him to be. He was more of a run stuffing three tech and he he's playing out of position. So he's not playing as well. Cause I Izzard a little bit young, needed another year to play and play strong. He's put in a game and then Illinois runs for 400, 500, 600, 800 yards. Devon Ellis is a good player, but again, those were young players that needed to step up. And then you find a guy like Jordan Vandenberg, who, by the way, I just want to point this out again, because I talked about it in the spring. I talked about it as we got into training camp. Jordan Vandenberg played two seasons of football last year. He played a spring season at Iowa Directional Community College and then came to Penn State and was playing and practicing and then got into games late in the season. Like, that's crazy. That's a lot of football to play. That's the exact same thing that we said during the pandemic that you didn't want players doing of playing a spring season and going right back in and playing in the fall. And he did that <laughs> and he played pretty well. So, you know, th this is an area where they have enough guys that I think that depth and competition has created a better environment where you're going to get some of these guys to play. Because again, if Akeem Beeman does not deliver, Zane Durant is right there and is pushing everybody. So be like Zane Durant. Listen to Joe bot, push that like button, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. It's in, by the way, if you want to subscribe, uh, just click the description, scroll down, click on that link. That'll say, that'll take you where you need to subscribe. So let's get a couple more subscribers for the YouTube channel. I've been sitting here being super patient. I don't want to be patient anymore. We've got people within the on three network. I'm competing with that. I wanted, I don't, I don't set 
low goals. I want this to be one of the best YouTube channels, not just on the Penn State beat, but in all of college football coverage. And we can get there, but I need your help. I need you to subscribe to the channel. I need you to donate to the video. I need you to hit the like button. All the things that are, you know, for the most part free, other than if you decide to donate, which I love you, by the way, if you do that. Um, let's look here for some more other, uh, some more conversations. I'm actually going to be watching this game. Ronnie and Pry on Friday night. That is Ricky Ronnie at Old Dominion and uh, Brent Pry. Virginia Tech, they're squaring off Friday night. I'll be watching that game. I'm just going with Brent Pry because it's Virginia Tech. But Ricky Ronnie, good offensive mind. Been in this, you know, has had his system there longer. Could be an interesting game. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, ben Bainey says he wants 21 points with eight minutes or less in the fourth. That's going to be an interesting one. That's that's. You think that's possible, Ben? Are we? Is that what you're you're hoping for here? Because it sounds like I'm missing something from earlier in the comments. But uh, I, controlling the game 21 in the fourth quarter, Penn State could do that. But as uh, the Big Brother asks, Aiden O'Connell is a top three quarterback in the Big Ten. That's not a, that's a statement here, and I agree with that. You know, I think it's him, and obviously C.J. Stroud is immensely talented, threw for more yards, but was not. I don't want to say he wasn't the better quarterback, but, you know, from a production standpoint of explosive plays, nobody was better than O'Connell last year. And also O'Connell had to do everything and he didn't have a Travion Henderson to rely on. Um, So we talked about the defensive tackles here. Defensive ends. This one's fascinating because we've got this. Got this lineup here and I, I consulted some of my coworkers on this. I don't know that I totally agree with what we've got here in terms of the depth chart. Nick Tarburton at the strong side defensive end, that the starter, yeah. Yep, yes. Let's put this full screen so we can get d- deep into this stuff. Um, Chop Robinson behind him, I see him more as, you know, on that side with Adisa Isaac. Although, I genuinely, this is an area where I, I need to do a little more uh, journaling, journalisticing, and ask John Scott Jr., like, how does, how does that work? Like, which, do you have a strong side and weak side defensive end? Is it like field and boundary for your D line? You know, at one point I during the spring game, you're mixing and matching people, and I wasn't sure if they had a three technique and a nose. I thought they had two, three techniques out there. So Chop Robinson is 240 some pounds. Physically, stylistically, he's much more like Adisa Isaac. Um, then you got Smith Vilbert and Deny Dennis Sutton on that side behind Isaac. To me, Dennis Sutton is a strong side guy. He is a he's a very stout run defender, big bodied, physical dude. Um, and he, he's not, he's not a speed player, so he's explosive, but if you watch him run in the open field, uh, four eights, low four sevens, maybe, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad defensive end. I have compared him several times to Nick Bosa, and I think he's got a similar game, great hands, very strong, and deny has gotten better and better at bending and being flexible. I'm all about pad level, so I'd love him to get his pads a little bit lower. See him in practice a couple times. He looks like he's getting better at that. It's just, you know, he's a he's a young football player. He's a very tall guy. I I, I'm interested in seeing if he doesn't get into the too deep, like at two. He's playing tomorrow. That's for sure. But is he behind Smith Vilbert? I don't think so. James Frank was asked about Smith Vilbert. He said the same thing he said after the bowl game. I think this is Adisa Isaac, Dennis Sutton, Tarburton, Chop Robinson. Amin Vanover is another good quality player that will play and will get some good reps. By the way, I think all nine of these players can play in the game. I think all nine could travel and be on the team and on the field. So that's going to be an interesting situation to monitor of do they all make the, can you take nine on your travel squad? Can you take a full three deep? All of them can play. All of them can play. So I I think that all nine are going. 
it might mean you take a couple less receivers, you know, and that means you got a couple guys that uh, that aren't making the trip that might might want to be on the on the on the plane. Stephen Light giving me uh, five bucks here for the journalisming. I do appreciate that. I need the extra help journalizing because I'm not uh, I'm not the journalisty journalist of the group. Both Nate Bauer and Greg Pickle are much better journalists than I am. I just like to watch football and tell you about it. Uh, Mike says run game will clips 200 yards. PSU wins by 10 to 14 points. Interesting. That's a that's a bold take. That's a good take. You know, I think the Penn State is the better team going in tomorrow. And we're going to have a we're going to have a preview coming up tomorrow on the BWI Daily Edition. We're not going at seven. I feel bad. And here, listen, listen, I'm going to uh, just you and me here for a second. I just want to apologize because over the last couple of weeks, I've been promoting things to you saying, hey, we're doing this. And then something else happens and we're not where we're supposed to be. Um, there are things going on that are beyond my control. And I have had a plan and and then like that changes. So thanks for being flexible with that. We've got some great stuff coming. And this is not to say like I anything bad. It's just new. What's that uh, from the Big Lebowski? New information has come to light. So so we're we're going to roll with it tomorrow, but we're going to be releasing the daily earlier in the afternoon uh, so that you have plenty of time to watch it, digest it, hit it on replay before you get into the game. Um, so that's coming up tomorrow with some cool stuff to share with you then. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that for now, because I don't have any more details as of yet to tell you about the who, what, when, where, why. I know the how it's going to be here on YouTube, but that's the only thing I as of yet. So let's move on to the linebackers. Another interesting group of players that we've been focusing. This is really kind of coming into the game. We're now rounding out of uh, off-season coverage and into regular season coverage. And this is where all off-season we've been talking about depth players. Abdul Carter, Jamari Budden. Uh, you know, we had some conversations about Dom DeLuca, who you might even see tomorrow, by the way. You know, I, I, I was... I was actually impressed by uh, by him during the spring game. But this is not about those players. This is about Curtis Jacobs, who, by the way, is a friend of the show. Curtis, if you're watching, hey, how you doing? Uh, it's a team meeting or something right now. So Curtis Jacobs, this is his season. This is his defense. This is his time to shine. He is in the will playmaker role that will linebacker he's going to blitz he's going to cover he's going to tackle he's going to be aggressive downhill physical fast explosive linebacker he's the guy that has to be the star of the defense we spent all offseason talking about tyler elsden and kobe king and even here in the conversation in uh, kyle says the sam linebacker is lacking and ben says striker sam in manny's defense um that's that Sam position. It is. So the responsibility, this, this is a convoluted conversation. This is a convoluted conversation. They're the same thing. Um, the Sam linebacker and the striker, which is what he called it at Miami, but they, they, they call it Sam at Penn state. So he's calling it that here. They're the same functionally. That is a description of the position. So a Sam linebacker plays an underneath coverage. They play in the long side of the field, covering the flat, which, you know, from the seven, eight yards down, right? All the way to the sideline. So you have to be athletic, mobile, good coverage in space. Curtis Jacobs, great example. Played safety in in, uh, in high school, transitioned to linebacker, retained those coverage skills, and played Sam for Penn State. But he came off the field on third down in favor of the nickel corner. Daquan Hardy, a co-starter at that position. When we talked to him here on the show, he said, what are you looking forward to playing the will? He's like, playing third down, man. Coverage is his thing, and he didn't get to play coverage last year on third down. So now he gets to do all of those things. Um, and yes, Jonathan Sutherland, I understand the concerns, tackling, um, natural instincts for football. I see those things too. But James Franklin said yesterday on the uh, on the coaches show, the Penn State coaches show, if you look at where he's made his plays, where he has, if you chart where he's been best, it's always been in underneath coverage, not in deep coverage. So moving him to this position has been, or is the plan to play him in a, 
like Marcus Allen. That's always the one that, that comes up is Marcus Allen. Marcus Allen, and I I don't want to throw fuel on this fire because I want to genuinely give Jonathan Sutherland the opportunity to play well before everyone buries him. Marcus Allen made more plays in the secondary as a safety than he did when he was playing in that underneath coverage role when they kind of focused his, his skills there more. So I see it too, but let's give him the opportunity to succeed or fail before we decide that he's already failed. And the guy to keep out an eye out for, say all that, the guy to keep an eye out for is Tyrese Mills here as the third player on the depth chart. Very talented player from Lackawanna Community College. Big physical player, can play at three levels of the defense, but has that same ability to play a safety linebacker hybrid. hybrid. And here I am talking about everybody else but Curtis Jacobs because that's that's the duality of this, right? Your star is your star because we know what he is and we know what he's good at. We know he can do X, Y, and Z. But for Curtis Jacobs, this is another interesting part of this conversation is that every year leading into the season, you have one guy that gets hyped up, right? You have one player. Who's the playmaker that everyone's talking about? Obviously, Micah Parsons, right? Then it was Brandon Smith. I don't know, think enough people are talking about Curtis Jacobs. I don't think enough people are discussing his ability to make plays because his instincts for the position are superb. His intelligence for the position is exceptional. His ability to play the position is exceptionally good so far. He's been an ascending player. Now being in the position to play in the box, make more plays, make more tackles, be around the football more. We saw what he was able to do behind the line of scrimmage against Ohio State. Do that more. Be more involved. I think he's going to be a what I think a lot of fans expected Brandon Smith to be last season. So his ability to do those things is going to dictate the success of this defense, I think, a little more than the guys we've been paying attention to in Tyler Elsden and Kobe King, because that's more about worrying about the floor, right? Where is the floor of this group? We haven't really looked, we haven't talked about what's the ceiling of the potential of this group. So that is um, why I wanted to highlight him here. We've got a couple more minutes here. Obviously, only two more positions on the BWI Daily Edition. We're here live on YouTube. If you're watching this on replay, uh, like I said before, you can always use the super thanks uh, to donate to the channel if you aren't here in the chat. Like uh, Penn State is here. Look at that. Nebraska is terrible, but one of the last game, even uh, you saw Penn State's offensive line impress. Yeah, James Franklin agrees. He's not going to say anything about it. He's going to let the their play do the talking. Um, but apparently Penn State is really down on Penn State, which seems odd that Penn State would be so down on Penn State. If you can't promote yourself, who's going to do it? Come on, Penn State. Believe in yourself. All right. Had some fun with that. If you want to donate to the channel, super appreciate that. We've had a lot of awesome people here today. I want to thank all of you, by the way, for participating. This has been a lot of fun. Because, you know, out here on a ledge by yourself, sitting here on a camera talking to you, uh, you never know how it's going to go. You never know what the vibe is going to be. Last season, after a couple of those losses, the vibe was real dark. So I don't I, I, I don't like the dark. And I appreciate you guys being cool, being chill. We're having a good time talking about Penn State football, going through the roster, seeing who is who and what is what here. Again, the cornerback position, like linebacker, all offseason, we've talked about everybody else but Joey Porter Jr. And maybe a little bit less because he's getting first-round hype, getting first-round buzz uh, as a potential draft pick next next year, which I'm, I'm going to bring this up again. Penn State has never had a first-round defensive back in the NFL draft ever. Jaquan Brisker should have been that guy, but never. Can Joey Porter Jr. be the guy that breaks a how many year streaks? A hundred year streak? I don't know how many NFL drafts have been. 75, 60. I'm just throwing darts in the wind. But anyway, they've never had a defensive back taken in the first round. And Joey Porter Jr. has all the physical skills to do that, to be that guy. He's been better than Penn State fans and maybe some critics have given him credit for. And I, I've said this for two years. He's always at the catch point which is really hard to even get to the catch point. His trail uh, ability and man coverage is really good. 
He's able to stick in the hip pocket of just about everybody. And by the way, if you're going back to that Ohio State game, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and saying he played so poorly, he kept those guys in check. I, You know, watching the film, he gave up one play. Like, he gave a one deep pass on a deep in, and he was in uh, deep third coverage. Other than that, he was there. The pass interference, the handsy calls, I, I get that. But that's also a product of a style of play and whether you decide to call that or not. So they didn't call it the whole beginning of the year and then they started calling it. And that's something he needs to work on. But that got into his head. I'm fairly certain of that. Because at a certain point last season, when he was at the catch point, he would panic and grab instead of just using his... 38 inch arms his 72 foot extender pole and knocking the football away. That's all you had to do, but those things can get to you. And you know, a good player rebounds from that. If he's going to be an elite number one, overall draft pick, break the longest streak in the history of good team sending players to the NFL. He's got to be elite. He's got to actually not just be good, be elite and I think in this defense I can give him the opportunity to do that but he's got to do it we do have to see it as much as I thought he played well last year he did not play at the level at which to go to the NFL because he, he came back for another year so he's the guy we're going to focus on because you got to stop Aiden O'Connell and that starts with playing good coverage from the top down but the secondary is about strength in numbers and Penn State has a lot of numbers here Daquan Hardy, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, they're all going to play. Marquise Wilson could see some snaps as well. We forget the fact that he was an absolute ball hawk as a freshman, and then he had to move around because Penn State still, at that point, remember, did not have a backup to Parker Washington at uh, at receiver. That was last year, excuse me, last year. Um, but Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, we talked about them a good bit this year of it's not an or. Kalen King is still the starter, but Johnny Dixon has worked his way into being a player that you'll see. So depth at these positions, Daquan Hardy, one of the best slot players in the Big Ten. Statistically, one of the best in the nation last year, although sometimes when the ball isn't caught, you look good. And there were a couple of those last year. And I, I don't want to take everything away because there's, there's always two modes, right? Like you say, this guy is really good. A couple of balls that weren't caught went his way. So the stats and the numbers look great, but maybe that wasn't exactly what happened. So both are true. He's still excellent. He's still got the best feet on the team. He's still one of the fastest players. Um, but, you know, to be on the field more, the size has always been a question and the ability to play rundowns. Penn State did not bring him on the field for many run situations last year. And I know that that's something he wants to do more of. He wants to play more and have a bigger role for himself. But even if he doesn't, this is still three deep of a very good secondary at corner. Nick asks T Frank, who leads the team in interceptions at the end of the year? Well, let's get to the uh, let's get to the safety. So we see everybody else. Jair Brown did last season. Zaki Wheatley was the turnover king in the spring and in uh, fall camp. I love his ability, but to me, for Penn State to be where they want to be, it's got to be it's got to be Joey. It's got to be Joey Porter Jr. or Kalen King. One of their corners has to play at that level where Penn State. And this is where it ties back into the pass rush. So let's go back to the defensive line. You got a lot of names here. I said you might have nine people play because you don't have three or two clear-cut defensive ends that are going to stop the run, get to the passer, and be elite. So that's a big question about can the secondary have the opportunity to get interceptions? Because there has to be enough pressure that the quarterback isn't sitting back there all day and just waiting for receivers to run away from corners. Because that's what happens when you don't have a pass rush. Again, why we highlighted Hakeem Beeman. Because if you have two pass rushers and then your three technique is a good player, oh, then you're cooking. Then you're like, uh, the, I always think about uh, Clay Matthews and uh, uh, I forget the defensive tackle that they had with the Green Bay Packers. But they had two quality edge rushers and then uh, their interior guy. And they were unblockable. Like at cer certain times in games during the, the early 2000s or the early 2010s, that, that's exactly what you're looking for. Uh, a three technique that can win those one-on-ones because you're double teaming the edge rushers. Because you just there's too many players to block. You can't leave everybody 
you can't double team everybody. You got to leave somebody in one-on-one situations. Penn State, I'm not saying they're going to get there, but if Akeem Beeman can provide that, it takes a little bit off the plate of Isaac, Tarburton, Robinson, Sutton, Smith, Vilbert. So to get those interceptions, going back to Nick's question, this has to lock in. And this is the, the number one thing I'm watching tomorrow is does it? What's Adisa Isaac actually like when he plays a full game? Yes, Kenny Clark. Thank you, Kenny Clark. That's exactly who I was thinking of. He was great. He was a great third pass rusher. I think Barnett was the, the middle linebacker, but they, they, had, they had two linebackers that were really good of uh, in, the, in that particular team. I don't know why I'm remembering the Packers from the 2010s. We're talking about Penn State football. Uh, not a lot to talk about Jalen Reed because he's behind Jair Brown. And I agree. So this is something I wrote about. Uh, earlier this week at bluewhiteillustrated.com, which if you want to subscribe here, it's free. If you want to subscribe there, it's it's a shocker here. It's a dollar. It's one whole dollar uh, to get inside access to bluewhiteillustrated.com so we can do this more regularly. You just chat about football on the message board. Um, the reason is, two, two reasons we're not talking about Jalen Reed more. The first is because he's behind Tig Brown, and this is his year to shine which is where we were before I got uh, ADHD distracted. Oh, and we also had some good comments that, that took me away from that. Um, this is, this is where this is, this is the conversation, right? Is it going to be a safety or a corner that leads the team in interceptions? Um, but the reason we're not talking about Jalen Reed as much is because we're talking about Zaki Wheatley. And that's something I wrote earlier this week is I didn't I didn't think there's anything that was going to get me off of Jalen Reed and talking about what he provided for this team last year in terms of intrigue, certain athletic movement skills that were exciting and interesting. And he had a really good presence on the field last year in a couple of sub packages. And then you saw some of the warts during the Arkansas game. Maybe he wasn't quite ready yet physically, but that didn't take away from the fact that he was a very exciting prospect. But Tig Brown, this is his year to be the Jaquan Brisker. He talked about earlier this week wanting to be a better run defender, wanting to essentially be a complete safety. And he looks the part now. He is yoked. He is much bigger than he was last year. And he's always been a thick, compact player. But, you know, I think a lot of stronger, more uh, presence in the run game. That was an area where he did struggle the last two years. And that's something he wants to work on. So being that complete guy, that might mean he's in less opportunities for center field pop flies, by the way. So I think a, a product of that is that he might not be around the ball as easily to get some interceptions because he's in that sort of, I don't know if it's a perfect mirror to the will as far as playmaker, but you're around the ball more, right? You're getting more tackles. You're in passing lanes a little bit more, but the center field position where he was last year he broke on a lot of plays and makes some great balls, but then KJ Winston threw him the football a couple times in the in the bowl game, right? Just a boneheaded play goes up in the air and you catch it. It still counts the same as an interception if you were to bring it down because your eyes led you to the football. He can do both of those things, but is in the it does he have the opportunity to do that more often? And that goes back to what Nick is talking about here. The formula is pass rush, QB makes bad throws equals interceptions, or good coverage plus elite plays on the ball equals interceptions, or both. Ideally, both. You know, like all-time great teams, it's both. It's a... <sighs> coverage is a... Like, this is, this is the analytics conversation. This is the analytics conversation about is coverage more important than pass rush? And when you're putting yourself in a false real reality of choosing between the two, then you have to make, you know, that's when you get these philosophical conversations. They work together. And this is what Manny Diaz has talked about all offseason is they work together. You can't have an all-American corner if he's hung out to dry all the time. So you need to have enough pass rush that your elite coverage can shine. And that's where I think just Penn State needs to get to that point. Because you can have great pass rush that covers up some weaknesses in the back end. But the analytics part of that is eventually those guys are going to be blocked. Like you can't get home faster than the quarterback can throw the football. I'll give you an example. Uh, even on a deep ball, if you have a one-on-one -on -one situation, you might see this tomorrow with Aiden O'Connell. You have a one-on-one -on -one situation with it, with the receiver and it's clearly like cover one or it's a cover three where you've got vertical routes. So you're creating those silos of one-on-one, -on -one, right? The quarterback knows at the snap 
that he can throw the ball into one-on-one coverage there. So the pass rush doesn't have time. He can he can step back, he can load up, and he can loft the ball before the defensive end has any chance to make a move or complete a move on a tackle. So you need to have coverage that deters the quarterback from doing that or quick game. You know, like you if if you're throwing a bunch of RPOs and, and stuff like that, the defensive line has no chance to get home. So the quarterback dictates some of these things. But in true passing situations where he has to hold on to the football and he has to drop back and read the field and all those things, you need to have a pass rush that doesn't let him sit there all day and give him the opportunity. So it's about the individual situations and the matchups and where your defense is putting itself in those moments. So it is synergistic, but there are times where it's absolutely one and absolutely the other. And you cannot have one 100% pass rush and no coverage and have that work just like you can't have 100% coverage and nobody getting home. Even if you're playing cover eight and you've only got three guys rushing, eventually somebody has to get through at some way. Um, <laughs> when does this start to close down? We're coming up on it. Actually, we're here right now. Uh, this is this is the end of the show. We, we've reached the end of the show when I start getting into coverage and pass rush. So that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. Thanks for being here. Thanks to everybody who donated to the channel. Uh, and thanks to all of you for watching. We are going to be back tomorrow with a live post game after the game. I believe I'm flying solo again. So it's going to be you, me, and breakdown of all those things we just talked about. So make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. This is up here uh, to listen later on replay uh, and we're in, on your podcast platform of choice. We'll get to all of that. Subscribe, rate, review, help us with the almighty algorithm because we all bow to the almighty algorithm on the internet. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.